OTB GAA. Through when Mike retired, I became the heaviest player in the dressing room, so I was often on Paul Gadden's back before we games. <laughs> Subscribe to the OTB GAA podcast feed wherever you get your podcasts. The Sunday Papers on Off the Ball. Now then, great to have you with us for the Sunday papers. I'll run you through the front pages. As you can imagine, there is only one story in town. So Sunday Times, first of all, it's a picture of James McCarthy and David Clifford. We meet again, which about sums it up. Uh, Meanwhile, alongside that, we'll come to it in the uh, conversation. Vera Pau, I still have the backing of the players. It seems to have uh, bubbled up all of a sudden yesterday when four Irish players... Uh, refuse to be drawn on whether they want Pau to continue as Irish manager. So uh, we'll come to that in due course. We have uh, Vera Pau wait over a new deal. This is on the back page of The Mirror. We have Cop in for the kill, as in Killian Mbappe. It seems Liverpool interested in Killian Mbappe. They're uh, bidding to rescue PSG star with loan deal, is what they're saying. And then uh, Tyke Morley is across the papers. He features in the back page here as well. He's been talking to the media in the build-up to the game. Uh, Best of enemies. Picture of Stephen Cluxton giving David Clifford's jersey a tug. Uh, Friendly tug. Then we have uh, Sun Sport and uh, they lead with, well, 9-1-1. The nine being nine dubs, trio, Chase Sam record. One Clifford in back-to-back bid and the other one carries 38-year Dublin jinx. Dublin final jinx, 1985, the last final where Kerry beat Dublin. Sunday Independent, picture of David Clifford and Mick Fitzsimons. Uh, everybody anticipating those two spending lots of time together this afternoon. A real cliffhanger. David Clifford stands in the way of Dublin trio's quest for historic hall. And then Mail on Sunday, this will be magic. And there is that great sense this morning, isn't there? That we're going to get an extraordinary game. Uh, and either way, whichever result we get, it'll be memorable. And then FAI and players avoid the POW question. That's again on the back page of the Mail on Sunday. Very up to say, we have Philip Lanigan of the Mail on Sunday here in studio. You're very welcome. Great to be here. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and uh, Mick O'Keefe, who's uh, played in the League of Ireland, has donned the Dublin jersey. He is these days CEO of Teneo Ireland. You're very welcome. Good to see you. Thank you, Joe. Thank you. So, um, well, I... Yes, we should uh, mention as well as people listening to us on the radio, lots listen to podcasts on a Monday. So I will get your predictions and you can be um, abused, <laughs> abused with the benefit of hindsight. Lots of great Dublin Kerry coverage. Sometimes you don't get good interviewees put up the week of, well, I guess it's probably two weeks now ago since the interviews were uh, done, but the, the week of All-Ireland final. Whereas we have a few great ones in, in Tyg Morley and uh, Cormac Costello today and then just the usual array of predictions. I mean, I see Sunday Independent, Joe Brawley, Colin O'Rourke both going for Dublin. Brawley very confident Dublin will win comfortably. Uh, Pat Spillane, Dublin defence can't cope with Kerry firepower. I'd say it's pretty evenly split, Philip. I mean, Mark O'Shea says anyone who calls this game with any great conviction should be avoided at all costs because they're a spoofer, really. Like, like Joe Brawley? Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. yeah, no, Mark, Mark's good. In our papers today, like, there's a great line near the start uh, saying they're taking it uh, away from us, as, as Nick kind of said, as if it's Kerry's to take away from, who clearly carry own football. Yeah. Um, but it, there is a huge sense of um, the history and the the role of honour, um, which is probably the last thing Kerry have if Dublin win and the nine medals goes um, and Dublin have the, the trio, uh, Clucks and Mike Fitzsimons, James McCarthy, if they surpass the Kerry's Mount Rushmore yeah. of crew who have their eight medals, um, well, that's huge. So I think that those kind of factors, is, I don't think you can underestimate the, the motivation for Kerry. And again, Mark says it with Pawdy, he says one of his uh, uh, favourite All-Ireland wins was beating Dublin um, in 84 and he said um, the opposition was right too. That's the Tony Hanahoe line, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, like that whole, that that whole idea that but for Paddy even with all the medals and the eight medals that like Dublin are key to the whole thing so yeah the Dara Okanaja line that Mark references he was obviously at some kind of panel with them in uh, Tralee and Okanaja sums up the situation by saying they're taking it all away from us <laughs> and he very much means that ninth All-Ireland medal so what Mark O'Shea says is history matters to Kerry football 
it might just be a game, but it's uh, the central plank in our identity to our communities and to our families. And he said, I have skin in the history game as Pawdy, along with Jair Power, Ogie Moran, Mikey Shee, Pat Spillane, have been at the head of that chart for the bones of 40 years. And I take pride in that. And it will hurt if they're not there this evening. It's amazing how that eight versus nine All-Ireland thing has bubbled up this week. Yeah, and, and I suppose, look, th- this week, you know, there was a lot of, like it was Clifford, there's the Fenton, Barry thing, there's the, always the look back there. And I didn't come to the papers with any huge kind of expectation but actually it's been it's actually quite good today yeah. um, and I think in, in, in this instance I, I do think and in Dublin I can kind of give give that view anyway like uh, an All-Ireland win is an All-Ireland win but an All-Ireland win over Kerry is that little bit different um, and I think look everyone is kind of skin in this game my own wife's granddad captain Dublin in 55 you know you would talk to him 50 years later and he'd nearly start crying <laughs> thinking about Kerry right so it is there is this sense of of, of history and you do look at the, the kind of the critical games over the years and I know look for fellas who are playing in the first alarm final and they're focused on who they're marking and what they're doing but there is that added sense of you know Kerry are going for two in a row this does feel like the last chance dance or whatever people are calling it for, for a lot of Dublin players and the big prize for Kerry today is not alone to make history to go two in a row which Kerry haven't done in a long time but actually almost there's this feeling that they could put Dublin to bed um, and you know you talk to Kerry people and you know Eamon Fitzmaurice, Fitzmaurice and, and these guys over the last 10 years like they were fixated on Dublin like the 2011 thing really hurt Kerry like it really hurt them and they spent 10 years trying to figure out how to beat Dublin and they actually overthought it at times when they came up against Dublin and it, it actually really hurt Kerry to see Dublin do six um, I don't care what anybody what anybody says. So if you are sitting there in Kerry at the moment, yes, it does mean a huge amount to Kerry. It means a lot in Dublin as well. But you're sitting there going, we have a chance now. This is a 2011 moment, I think, for Kerry. If they can beat Dublin today, there's a sense that that's the end of an era for, for Dublin for once and for all. And it will go down as one of those big Kerry-Dublin um, moments. We were, we were talking before that this is a chance for Kerry to retire this Dublin team as it's known like the, the idea that if they win it James McCarthy it could go Michael Fitzsimons um, that Cluxton you know you're looking will Jack McCaffrey be back the Dean Rock so for Kerry the idea of bookending this whole era for Dublin Joe, has to be again a huge motivation and it's funny I was actually uh, chatting to Jerry Grogan during the week um, who 19 of the Dublin 26 have come through his hands via coming the month school right. um, and he's obviously carried through and through and just as Mick said there he said the idea that uh, Dublin would have taken gone and done the five in a row ahead of Kerry just he said really sticks with Kerry so this idea now that they could go and win the nine medals and just add another layer so I think there's huge away from the tactical stuff and everything else there's a huge layers yeah, to this it feels historic to your point about the last dance Colm O'Rourke has a great line he says uh, Dublin's long term strategy is for one day only yeah <laughs> and it's hard to think of a team that have almost parked future building future planning you know, you look at what Stephen Kenny's doing at Ireland, you look what the kind of received wisdom is about how you build a team. Dublin have just parked all of that and almost said, if we can get another All-Ireland on the board, we'll worry about tomorrow, tomorrow, and we do it today. Yeah, I, I, I probably think that's fair. Like, if you're looking at a long-term strategy and, you know, would you have brought all the players back out of retirement, essentially, is what they've done, in whatever way you look at that. Um, they may have looked at last year and said, there wasn't a depth on the bench that was needed. Um, they needed that bit of quality and experience back. Um, maybe the golden era and the generation that would, that produced those amazing teams in the in the in that kind of 2015, 16, 17, that kind of generation. Maybe the absolute quality isn't coming through at underage level. So this is a selfish. We need to win this one. Um, and that's why they've brought Cluxton back, 41 years of age. That's why Jack McCaffrey's back. That's why Mannion was asked back, you know, so, and Mick Fitz is stuck on for another year. So there is this sense that this is it. This is the last yeah. chance. And, um, you know, I, 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 you know, what happens next, I don't know. Look, if Dublin win, I get a sense that a lot of them will probably go anyway. Um, if Dublin lose, I'd be, you'd be guaranteed a lot of them will, will go. And I'm not sure where Desi sits and all that as well. Um, Will he decide to stick around if Dublin lose? Um, I'm, I'm not sure. Mm. Um, but I, yeah, it, it does really feel like this is they brought the band back together for one last go. And Gilroy, been involved as the most overqualified water boy, I think as probably has called him. <laughs> um, I actually think it's an interesting move as well. And, and potentially that was to get some of that pre Jim Gavin era fellas on side, which is quite interesting in terms of his role and how that's perceived. Well, do you know what's interesting? As this week has gone on and I've watched approximately 378 preview panels 
the Gilroy factor is being talked up more and more this week and even Eamon Sweeney says on the back page he's comparing what victory will mean for the two managers and that you know that's a whole other yeah that's interesting interesting one like I mean Desi say it is his fourth and final year then he bookends it with two All-Irelands in four years post Jim Gavin that's a bloody great record whereas if they lose today and he departs it's well he won a COVID All-Ireland on the fumes of Gavin and then it was I, you know I, 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 it, I, I, it he's, he's, it's a bit unfair like, yeah. like I think look he, any All-Ireland is a hard All-Ireland right? I know, and, and, I know. And, and there is this kind of perceived wisdom that he, 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 he rolled in you know and kind of just kept driving the bus and didn't have to do much in, in the year of the COVID one which is a really hard All-Ireland considering everything that had to happen and like Desi was captain of Dublin no, he managed a match, in my view, in the 95 All-Ireland, finally kicked four points from play. Yeah. Like, he is a Dublin legend, but he hasn't quite been given kind of the love yet, you know what I mean? And I think Sweeney's line is really interesting. I think he talks about uh, immortality yeah. for, for, for Jack O'Connor versus respectability, for enormous yeah. acceptance yeah. For, for Desi. Um, but you're right, if Desi wins it in All-Ireland today, he, he, he does go into a different uh, stratosphere. There's a great polish on it then, yeah. And it, I, I don't agree with that. I only won one on the fumes. I mean... I guarantee if uh, I'd gone in as manager after Jim Gavin, we probably wouldn't have won that call yeah. on <laughs> Ireland. <laughs> so he says, uh, Eamon Sweeney, could redemption be at hand for Farrell? Isn't it funny we're even like redemption? That's know, where yeah. he is. Could redemption be at hand for Farrell? Perhaps not. A lot of credit for Dublin's recent improvement has gone to their former All-Ireland winning manager and ostensible selector, Pat Gilroy. And the hand of Gilroy is detected by Manny in the return to more direct football and of the uh, formerly retired trio of Cluxton, Mannion and McCaffrey. He will share, uh, he will receive a share of the credit should the Dubs win today. Uh, yet Gilroy will shoulder little blame, little blame should they fall short. <laughs> Farrell must be like thinking, what? Yeah. But uh, the Gilroy factor is big, I feel, and it's been talked about a lot this week. Yeah, and fairness to Desi, it takes, um, it takes a, a big man to kind of bring in a, another ex-manager you know an All-Ireland winning manager so for somebody to kind of say right um, I'm going to park my ego whatever it is for the cause like that, true. That Leo takes, Cullen gets a lot of yeah. praise for bringing in Lancaster whereas Desi's almost been talked here as lame uh, duck yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, I think you know I think it's very he's made a lot of brave decisions in the last year and it was funny at the I was covered the, the Dublin pre-All-Ireland press gig and he was actually very he was, he was in great form um, but he was very emotional he got talking about James McCarthy it was mentioned put to him well just can you can you give us a sense of James's value to the squad and he almost started choking up so like there's a yeah. there's a real sense of um, stuff that we're kind of we got an insight into what we don't see at times you know Dublin being for so long under the Gavinier kind of so cold and clinical and how they go about it but Desi um, was very emotional spoke very openly and was very, very you know very dry sense of humour but like there's a, there's a lot going on and the sense with James McCarthy the emotion when he mentioned his name said you can imagine what's going on behind the dressing room Yeah but I, I, I think it took huge balls from, from Desi to, to bring um, Pat Gilroy in yeah. mm. Pat's a big personality with a lot of opinions who's managed up and get a lot of credit for that era of success as the guy who got the ball rolling um, and I think it was real politic I think he went look I, I, I might need this person to, to make a difference um, and yes it might take away from my glory but he's brought in someone who obviously had a role to get some of those players back because they had a huge amount of time mm-hmm. from um and he's obviously had a role uh, tactically as well. So, you know, I, I think a very brave move to park your ego to bring somebody in for, let's be honest, probably the greater good as he sees it. And both Desi and Patrick Pat is steeped in Vincent's and Dublin and that whole heritage around, the, you know, that greater Dublin thing. And Desi would would be too. And maybe they've both said, right, look, I wouldn't have thought they were the best of friends uh, and would yeah. have been pally or, you know, so, to see him, to see so him it, it, wouldn't, it wouldn't have come naturally, you know. To see him in action, um, I was actually at the, the league game in Park Talton when Dublin played Mead and Pat was sitting beside us. He was the, the eye in the sky, mic'd up doing, doing okay. the sky. So again, he was the most qualified eye in the sky, but the nature of the press box in Park Talton is he's literally sitting where you were. Um, I, and we were having the chat before the match and, and after, but he's just there um, just watching patterns what was going on and you'd see him just on the mic wired up to the lads on the sideline just with the odd thing so he's he has that level of input you know where he was watching watching very closely what was going on and chipping in with switches and different things so that's that's how embedded he is you know um 
So yeah, but again, I mentioned the, the the press day. Like Cormac Costello was there as well, and uh, the access to the lads. We give out a lot of the times mm. about the access to the players, but and um, myself and Sean sat Sean McGoldrick Sunday World uh, sat down with him, and Cormac again. Fair, um, we had. Yeah, Jason Byrne was there I think as well there was a Sunday collection aside to the dailies and um, Cormac was very interesting just uh, like for the idea that he's starting his first All Ireland yeah. final is is kind of inc- was, incredible, I, I, you know, I, I, in I, a way, given his talent. I was um, shocked to see that yeah. actually. And shocked, a, yeah. yeah, and again, of all the guys, um, again, just chatting to Jerry Grogan, of all the guys who c- came through coming a month ago and all the way up, Costello was the superstar. He said of of the ones who stood out. Yeah, Costello was, was like was ex- ex- extraordinarily talented, yeah. and and like y- you would watch him playing club football at underage and he was got that kind of kid that could get the ball mm. on his own 21 beat 10 fellas and put the ball over the bar like he was that good mm. there was a feeling that he never quite reached his potential under Jim for whatever reason um, maybe there was a strength and conditioning uh, conversation around mm-hmm. that maybe there was just so many good ones form etc so like at 29 to now be illustrating his 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 best side um you know maybe maybe there's a bit of regret there that he didn't mm-hmm. quite hit hit the peaks that he that that he had and, yeah. and even if you look back at the 2011 minor team he was on where they lost in the last minute yeah. of the all-around final to tip if you remember yeah. and that team that he was on there but it, i i think it's great to see him um and he's the man like let's be honest you're going into this match going Who's your Who's your fella to get four or five points today for Dublin? It's 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 probably Costello is the yeah. one who's got the form. And it was actually when we were talking, it was his birthday. So the the life of the the amateur GA player. He was sitting in the county board offices where he said there was a nice story when he was growing up. Um, obviously his father John Costello was being the head of the Dublin GA and like helped to transform the fortunes in the capital. And he said like that was their the very office where we were interviewing him was where he used to be dropped off and kind of they minded themselves kicking a ball around the upstairs function room waiting for their dad he was there at a lot of training sessions when he was a kid and he, he was there at his dad's place of work you know and it, it's kind of not that written about I think journalists have probably avoided that connection because mm-hmm. they want to let him breathe and, and they didn't quite push that whole John Costello Cormac thing but I remember a fella told me they, they used to go to club matches and Dublin matches and the dad had let them kind of wander out and he'd be John would be in the office half the time but there was a loudspeaker announcement it's not in the thing here but I know uh, this apparently is true so he had a code for get the kids into the office like the 7,000 people at the match and it was like John Johnson and Jeff Jefferson get to come to the come to the, the county board office and that was the code for the kids to come Dad back wants you. Yeah, yeah exactly but like it was interesting like he would have seen the stresses and the you know all that stuff and then obviously then he's immersed in it himself and then it's an awkward one for John like where as well where John was there as the most influential person in Dublin GA and oftentimes his son might get dropped the Thursday before more often final. than not and, yeah. and yeah. so <laughs> that whole emotion of your son playing and then your county board uh, CEO and all that goes with that so it hasn't really been talked about so I, I think it's great that he's come forward uh, to do these pieces and you actually you've, you read stuff about him that you didn't really know well, the, no, there's the, great stuff i just give the listeners a, a few yeah. bits because they, mm-hmm. they want to read it I had never, ever, ever put together Cormac Costello and John Costello all these years. This came as absolute news to me. <laughs> like even it's not even I, I find all the years I'm watching Costello kicking points. I don't feel like the commentator routinely says. No, they don't. And of course, son of John. Yeah. Um, so, uh, you know, every year when John publishes the county board report and we all enjoy it for the crack. <laughs> well, we, we asked him that. I asked him kind of, do you keep the head down when, John, when your dad tears strips off various counties? Yeah. He kind of goes, yes. <laughs> I'm now amazed it never said, and Cormac should bloody start the next <laughs> Ireland that report. So it's in Parnell Park where the interviews happened, where, as you guys say, that's that was his dad's place of work. So he's very familiar with it. Um, 29 years of age, seven All-Ireland finals, and he's never started one. He came on in 2016 for Kevin McManaman in 56 minute kick three points against Mayo yeah. off the bench in 17-18 both games 19 and 20 uh, but he hadn't added to those three points in that final since. So he's asked about that and he lies and says I never really dwelled on it too much to be honest with you there's no point in feeling sorry for yourself maybe the last part isn't a, a lie but he definitely must have thought about it in long post seasons I would think not starting. Uh, Pernell Park is sort of second home for Costello uh, John will retire by the way at the end of this year he's been county board CEO since 1994 uh, his mother a psychiatric nurse and when she was working nights his father would bring Cormac and the siblings and even Fiacre to Parnell Park to give her a chance to get some sleep when Tommy Lyons was double manager he occasionally went to team training 
in Artane. But after being smacked in the side yeah. of a face with the ball one night <laughs> by an errant Mick O'Keefe shot, <laughs> uh, when he was standing behind the goal, he didn't return again. Kieran Whelan, his boyhood hero, he remembers being chuffed when his dad brought him home Whelan's number eight Dublin jersey and it had a certain symbol on it to show it was legit. He's, he talks about it being like the most important thing he owned. It's something I've brought into my career. That jersey meant so much to me. So I often give my jersey to someone at the club or a young guy because I know how much it means to them. And then they mentioned the glittering underage career, which Mick has uh, referenced. He was, fab- he was a fabulous mm. talent, Hur- hurling and football. Still and plays hurling, it says, for Whitehall, Colin But the, the other thing I, I think that's, that's kind of hidden in here a little bit in this piece is... Um, he, he 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 never looked as physically developed um, as some of the others, right? I would have felt, you know, in his mid twenties, even. So you'd look around that Dublin yeah. team, and the Flins, and you know, O'Gara's, and but they're big, strong, very kind of mu- not overly muscular, but very physically yeah. kind of imposing. And Costello always looked like a nineteen twenty. Yeah, Gandhi. but if you read here, he he obviously he looks a bit stronger. I think in the last couple of years, and maybe that's the reason why um, he's he's physique has, yeah. has improved and his, his, his conditioning has improved um, he talks about this boxing that he goes to as well in the Sunday Indo piece um, and how he, he has kind of worked on that kind of stamina type thing in, in the boxing training which I, I, I didn't know at all mm. so maybe that has had an impact in terms of his ability to, to, Dunn, to stay longer on the, to it. Bernard Dunn yeah. Yeah. so he says we do 8 rounds of skipping and in the breaks 30 seconds in between you'd be doing core work you do a battery of three rounds and you'd be on the floor. And these lads, he's talking about the other boxers, not a bother on them. It's like any sport. Once you go into a different discipline, even as fit as you think you are, it's a different kind of fitness. And of course, cricket is another passion. He has relatives in yeah. Australia, visits them regularly. So, you know, I, I, I do really applaud these guys who on All-Ireland Final Morning, he's given quite a lot of himself That's there. Yeah. And I just, I know if I was him, I would wake up and rightly or wrongly, I'd be getting out the old Indo app or reading your piece in the mail just to see how did it come out? How do they how do they take my quotes about dad and all that? And how do they lay it out? And it just would be a thought on my mind that morning. So yeah. fair play to him for doing yeah. it. No, and, and again, that's the point I was making, that the lads were very open and um, very re- revealing. Like we jumped as I think we were sitting chatting to Cormac and he was given so much personal stuff. James McCarthy was sitting in a chair and again talking about his life story with the lads. Desi, when we uh, met him, it was so emotional, you know, again. So like the lads are, this is what kind of frustrates at times that, that the lads are generally great to deal with yeah. when they're when they're less. Has Desi yeah. been emotional before? Was this the first time Desi was emotional? Well I just I, I think that it's the James McCarthy factor. Like it was a, it was just I must say it was the most interesting point of the interview when when I was sitting there that like uh, the idea that you got a sense of what's at stake and that clearly they know what's going to happen next with James whether it's you know a, a final farewell um, but like we've so, sat in that office so many times and gone through so many interviews with Dublin the idea of say Jim Gavin kind of <laughs> being overcome with emotion at a Dublin press conference you know it just wasn't wasn't going to happen so I think the lads were deserve again a lot of credit you know they were very open and the access and like Costello's the personal stuff is saying about the boxing um, he's more to lose than gain Mm. let's be honest like you're in a rich vein of form Mm. a lot of the guys say I'll keep the head down here now and say nothing and actually I think it's a real sign of maturity like that he's gone out and done this he's obviously said (laughs) I don't really care what's in the papers which is great in fairness to Um, and he's happy and backing himself to go and play well we got the list and when you go to the presses you kind of when you get the list of players you kind of go all right, so he's dropped. <laughs> you know, like generally, you'll get you, you'll get to, and you know, okay, well, he's an injury, I and he's Kenny hurling subs interviewed over. It's, yeah, it's, it's like it's like counting two from so, the top, two from yeah. the middle. So it was great. So when yeah. we saw the list, Cormac Costello, James McCarthy, and uh, you know, it was it was they it was rolled a out the it was, yeah. they rolled out the big guns. Colin you know? O'Rourke says of James McCarthy, he's probably the best footballer of the last decade, maybe any decade. I, I, I have to say, sorry, just on this, sorry to cut across you, Philip, I, I, I actually think, well, first of all, the conspiracy theory of, of O'Rourke going for Dublin, anyway, um, <laughs> must be part of some anti-Dublin uh, build-up. But um, the James McCarthy thing fascinates me because James McCarthy has always been brilliant, in my view, and it's like almost in the last three, four years, people have kind of realised, oh God, this James McCarthy, you know, and I actually think one of the reasons why, like James is, is an absolute Rolls Royce of a player and always has been, right? And you go back like when 2010, 11, like he was brilliant then. I think, and, and this is my read on it is, he went into a lot of All-Ireland finals during that that, that um, glorious era carrying knocks. 
and there was a couple of finals he went into and I only know this because of the, the, the medical people around the team where he was kind of struggling to get there and I think maybe he didn't give his best performances in the in the big day and then when journalists and you, you'd be guilty of this Philip who uh, look at look at perform, look at look at the year and look at the winning teams they tend to judge a lot on the last two games and, and that's fact so there was one all Ireland final he got black carded after about 15 minutes I think one of the Mayo games he was gone very early and a couple of other games he was coming in carrying hamstrings and knees and whatever so I think maybe because he didn't get all that plaudits for that middle part even though he'd been brilliant all the way up that it was only laterally when his injuries kind of dissipated and he went into big games injury free that people actually saw the best of him. Mm. Uh, I, I think that's maybe why. Yeah, maybe. Well, retrospective I, kind I, of view. Well, on. I, I could never understand that either. Of me, like I remember watching him. Like people were talking about when he was a, a, one of the great halfbacks, and then Dublin had a problem with midfield finding a partner for Fentimore. I'd seen him play. Um, I think it was an All Ireland club semi final. Yeah. Um, for midfield against Dr. Croaks. Yeah. yeah. And again, it was Dublin Kerry, mm. and he lorded. And this was I was sitting there going, you could see the vision for Dublin GA how they were going to move him into midfield five years before it happened happened like yeah. it was fairly obvious so I must say if of the Dublin players like Stephen Cluxton is probably the most influential footballer you know you could ar- nearly argue ever in terms of the evolution of the game but like uh, I would have thought James McCarthy is arguably their great Dublin's greatest player or certainly of this crew as well so uh, I, well, he's, he's I must also, say I could never understand that idea he, that he, he's spanned he four, the four, yeah. the four eras of that team um, and, is, and it hasn't his performance hasn't flagged and he's also a particularly humble and nice bloke. Like that's the other thing. Like when you like, remember when we were when I was manager of the Masters and we were playing Tyrone in a final and we were kind of saying, oh look, you know, we might get somebody to come along and talk talk to the players. And you ask a couple of lads to see it. McCarthy was like, yeah, no problem. Where do you want me? Okay, I'll be up there. No problem. What do you want me to say? Yeah, grand. Came up like nothing in it for him. Mm. He's talking to fellas he, he's played against, so it's kind of a bit awkward, right? Because they're only maybe seven or eight years older than him, right? And a lot of them would be, you know club footballers and patched up mm. elflas and all that kind of stuff as well right a lot of very good players too obviously but um, but he came out and like just so humble like wish you all success I hope you do it you know said a couple of nice things about Tyrone how would be nice to beat them. <laughs> yeah. then we lost the game so. yeah. but, but you know he, he, I suppose the point I'm making is like um, he's very humble he's very giving he's, he's just a really sound bloke mm. you know and I think I think is maybe in Dublin anyway in Dublin GA circles like he's particularly liked Loved, yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I suppose there probably is another footballer we probably need to talk about as well <laughs> <laughs> who, who might be uh, to him. yeah he hasn't really been talked about enough this week um, just uh, on O'Rourke's then uh, the Mead man tipping Dublin he does make a compelling argument to be fair so his general line of thinking is Kerry of the best player but Dublin have Fenton Howard Kilkenny Khan. Mannion, McCaffrey, as well as McCarthy, all-time greats looking for one more day in the sunshine. And it would mean as much as the first one for these men. He goes on to say at the end of the piece, Dublin's long-term strategy is for one day only. It's hard to look past the fact that Dublin have McCaffrey, Mannion, Cluxton back from last year and O'Callaghan was also injured in the Kerry game last year. It's not quite the Beatles back together, but if the fifth cavalry are needed later in the game, then Dublin have a clear advantage. Kerry, on the other hand, have lost David Moran from last year and have now lost Tony Brosnan through injury. Even at that, the best days of the all-conquering dubs are over. But there is nothing more dangerous than a string, a sting rather, from a dying wasp. It looks like Dublin to me, is his uh, thinking. Yeah, so Clifford, I mean, it's weird. I, I, I genuinely don't think I can remember a match in GA where the conversation starts and ends and hinges around the performance of a single player I can't like, if you can name one for me go but like an <laughs> no. all final is going to be dictated in in terms of the build up by how Clifford goes probably Mars Fitzgerald in 97 is the closest and there is an article about yeah, it today Shane, but, Shane. But, but you're right sorry Philip. sorry yeah no Shane McGrath actually makes that very point he links Clifford back to Morris uh, Fitzgerald's kind of rise f- with Kerry or how he kind of carried the team on his back in some ways for years yeah. but his career was built around the long kind of wait for, for a medal whereas Clifford has arrived fully formed now has his medal from last year um, and yeah like like you do, it really does boil down to in so many ways to how they're going to handle him and just the tactical side of things um, people are saying about 
to who's going to mark them what way they're going to match up and we were disagreeing over oh, yeah. matchups <laughs> but like it looks like well, sorry, Anna, a lot of people listen on a Monday who want to know who was who got it right and who got it wrong what's, uh, what's well, going to happen I, I, I'll tell you right <laughs> so first of all I heard Eamon Fitzmaurice on last night and he said James McCarthy might end up back there I tell you there's a better chance of me marking David Clifford <laughs> than James McCarthy right? God I'd love it now for James McCarthy <laughs> yeah. and I will stake I will stake whatever reputation <laughs> I have on that right? okay. <laughs> so it will be a double team effort I'd imagine Everyone's saying it's Mick Fitz. I'm not sure, actually. Um, I, I, I wouldn't be shocked, and you completely disagree with me with this, right? And nobody has said it. If you see Lee Gannon going back there at some Paul point. Paul Galvin said that during the week. Yeah. He's the only other person I've heard I, say that. I, I think, if you, if you look at it right, there's fellas who've had injury concerns, there's physical mismatches. If you look at, say, a merchant, for argument's sake, he's, he's not the right man. He's like he's given away seven or eight inches, right? Mick Fitz physically has that presence. But like Mick Fitz was the man who got the man marking job on you know the Gooch when the Gooch was at his peak. So it's a di- it's a different you're you know you've got two fellas at very different mm-hmm. stages of career, right? So Mick Fitz could do it, and he's he's brilliant. I wouldn't I would think that Dublin might go Lee Gannon. He's physically able for him. He's quick. He's tough as nails and he might be the man who might end up getting that job either at the start or at some point yeah. and I might look really stupid no, yeah look you could, you could be right mate. just again the problem with Clifford uh, one of the many problems as a, as a marker is generally with the Gooch and all you could match up different players yeah. maybe size wise but Clifford immediately rules out I would have thought own merchants hey mm. just Physically, yeah. Lee Gannon, you know, again, he's still only young, so I, I would have thought power, power wise, I'm not sure. So Fitzsimons just matches up physically, and that's before you even think, does your defender have the skill set uh, to go? So I would have thought the obvious one, and I'm looking at the tactical setup here in the, in the Sunday Times that Brian Howard is listed midfield, but he'd just swap with James McCarthy and sit. I would have thought play that plus one that Dublin like um, in front of Fitzsimons because Kerry will have a two man inside line so if Clifford lines up just to the left here um, Howard will just sit in that pocket in front of him and kind of follow if when they can now I would have thought that's one or somebody will and Howard's the likely one for me but we'll, we'll see but yes, Clifford yeah. is I, not I, a one I, one man even a two man job it's the, te- it's the team really. I, 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 I've, I, it's very rare you get this all pinned on one guy like Messi going into the World Cup final for Argentina or like it's, it's at that scale and like I think Dublin have been quite clever here whether it's by accident or design where like some of the quotes coming out of Dublin camp this week whether people have noticed and it's like oh well you know we'd be happy to keep him to eight points you know and you're like what pressure to put on the uh, opponent <laughs> to mm. say you know like we think you're this good you know like so if he doesn't go out and shoot eight points it's almost like yes. it's 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 a poor performance but um like I, I, I found the um and look it is right for you back and he's probably the, like he's probably the best like I've ever seen he is unbelievably good and he now has this ability where he goes out and wins his own ball out the middle of the field and can and gets up yeah. and finishes the move but the the article in the, the oh, Mick Foley's, Mick pieces, Foley's pieces right, yeah. you come into it going again with low expectations on any article about Cl- Clifford but he, he goes obviously with his deep kind of roots in, in the region he goes in and he talks about um, when he was a kid and a six year old and I suppose the overarching theme of it is um, this guy has been great since he was five and he's ready and he doesn't mind the pressure yeah, because he's always had it. But there's a, there's a line here again and fair play to make and kind of delve deeper and give you stuff that you wouldn't have read before he said like the f- there's a first sighting of Clifford in an under 12 game against Ken Mayer in September 2007 buried in the local news from Fossa from Fossa Ken Mayer had too much strength and class wrote the correspondent however David Clifford at just 8 years of age gave a fabulous d- display of intelligent football at wing forward for Fossa which belied his tender years wow. you know so Amazing. it's brilliant to see that you know, even the diamond was there uh, yeah. from such I, a young I, I age, the, and there's lo- the, loads the of quote, lovely little stories. The about Colin Cooper's brother, um, Vince Cooper, right? Mm-hmm. About he comes through with this uh, thing around uh, now uh, when he's talking about um, he's a games development officer, right? And he talks about now Vince's Colin's brother says quirk. So he's seen Colm and if Vince is saying there's a kid in the school that looks well, wow, wait till you see this fella and he must be good. <laughs> so that, that yeah. I think, and it's very Kerry, like they are obsessed, I know, look, uh, with football. So you can imagine the talk around this guy since he was eight, nine, you know, and he, he's managed to but he says this here, his name the, is, sorry, the, mi- the minor final where he scored four goals. Yeah. I remember being at that and I was there bloody early because I've been hearing about that guy all week. 
It was a senior final on the same day and it was like, you need to get there early and see this Clifford kid, you know? And he scored four goals, so the pressure didn't get to him that day. And I know you don't want, I don't want to impinge or, or, or step across a line. But I must say, every time I watch him and Paddy all year, I think like, I, they did it the, the weekend of their mother's passing. Yeah. But as anyone who's gone through bereavement knows, sometimes the weeks and months afterwards, as reality sets in, are even more difficult. And so that's a family dealing with that on top of everything. So... You know, and they're putting in these extraordinary performances. Like, so you just kind of, you can't but love them. Both uh, of them as well. Yeah, both like, of them. But you mentioned uh, personality-wise, I think, um, David, any of the dealings we've had or anyone you've mm. talked to, like he's such a sound guy. Yeah. Uh, like he comes across so well. He's so mature at that age. Um, it, it, again, the, the media stuff, any of the interviews, like it, there's no Yera, this, he'll answer a straight question, give you a bit of time, give you a straight answer. And, and like he, he, I don't know how he kind of remains so grounded amongst the, the madness of yeah. it all, but he, but he also, seems to be a kind he, of special he's also, character. He's also grown up in front of our eyes. Like kids make mistakes and, you know, um, he's, he's, he's grown up and with intense uh, scrutiny. He, he had a couple of wobbles there. Um, a couple of years ago where he, his form dipped slightly you know when they lost that Munster game against yeah, Cork, Cork yeah. that horrible day and you know he kind of felt God it he's a few growing pains but jeez they didn't last too long now and uh, oh. he's, that's he's, a growing pain I take he's, it yeah he's, he's amazing well that's the um, the football so give me a prediction then I, if you look at the it's very close to the 2019 teams and I just think Kerry are a little bit better and Dublin maybe are four years older and not quite at the same level so maybe Kerry yeah I, uh, yeah look, last week I was definitely Kerry up to yesterday I thought Dublin I woke up this morning and I think Kerry you know if you're going for two teams at full throttle and the younger hungry up and coming upstart you know do we think of Dublin subconsciously we go back to what they were like rather than what they are like yes and, I know and I think um, if you ask me to put my money on it I would say marginally carry I hate saying that yeah. but I, I just think it's, they, they it's, might it's funny we haven't actually mentioned Conor Callan who could mm. score two goals yeah. and win the match single handedly you know we, it's, 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 it's only a couple of seasons it's, ago it's, we were doing comparison pieces with Clifford yeah. and Khan until Clown it's if so. it's and maybe like Dublin will need Khan and they will need Mannion if he plays uh, and they'll need uh, Scully if he and all these guys to play better than they've probably played in a while right if Dublin can spread those scores around they've every chance of winning Kerry need to spread their scores around too because you can't expect Clifford to score 115 right so they need other fellas he might they need other fellas to do it so look it's 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 hard to call I think no, well, it, bloody it makes it call, yeah. even more intriguing Michael Dignan um, had an interesting just uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's like this small piece at the bottom of his main piece his main piece is about Limerick but it, it was just a, an eye-catching headline it is only about two or three hundred words our big day in Croker was a deflating experience is the headline so he says there's been a good bit of controversy I hadn't realised by the way there was controversy there's been a good bit of controversy around the Jubilee team celebration at Croke Park last Sunday obviously I was there with Offley, the Offley hurlers uh, who had won 25 years ago back home there was a huge anger that it wasn't shown in RTE and that it took place in a half empty stadium rather than say at half time when the place would be full. Now we were up and we had a nice lunch as a group before going out in the field. Three or four of us were up the night before to Dublin. Most came up the day by car or train. The players of that era wouldn't have gotten a lot out of the game. Why not put them up in the Crow Park Hotel the night before, he asks. People love that Offaly team with no minor game on anymore and no big crowd in. It was a bit deflating. Of course, we had a great day. We were delighted to get together, but a flat build-up with no curtain raiser is not what All-Ireland Final Day is meant to be about. The Offaly team uh, filled Crow Park on many occasions. I hope Cork next year, along with future teams, get the respect and recognition they deserve. I can see how that would be a bit deflating. I, I, traditionally, I, my memories going back are seeing it on TV and yeah. and mm-hmm. people really enjoy seeing it. Yeah. I mean, in our house anyway, it was like... Now, it's, it's weird to be in the same boat all of a sudden, but it was your parents going, oh, God, is that 25 years ago? Yeah, is yeah. that your man? Um, <laughs> to me, they were old men. Now they're starting to look very familiar. But uh, yeah, it doesn't sound great. I guess the minor match maybe had a few more souls in their seats a touch earlier. So going out to an empty crow park and not on TV is probably not what you pictured 10 years ago when you were heading out. Yeah, and I was in there for it last last week. And even was a detail, Michael said that... Um, when the players, they go to the corner and there's usually a bench and they get a kind of team photo there with the, 
the pitch's yeah. background and I think there was no bench. He said some of the lads were down in their new suits on the grass. And the, uh, and I was there. That there's no The GA actually, Eamon Sweeney has a piece in the back of the Sunday Indo kind of saying how the GA kind of hasn't been great this year. I, like, actually, I disagree with a huge amount. Of, but the, uh, the one thing they haven't got right is uh, final day. Like it was again in early ahead of the hurling mm-hmm. final last year. You could drive down Whitworth Road an hour and a half for the match. And it was a few supporters around, but it was raining. There's no build up because there's no curtain raiser. The minor final, whatever about the changes there, but they need a proper curtain raiser. Beforehand, Joe, on final day, you know, you wouldn't you wouldn't actually nearly have, be able to sit here because remember being parked up in Clonliffe yeah. Car Park at 11 o'clock. Yeah. Croker would be absolutely buzzing and it's filled into this. There's a void there for the curtain raiser and because there's no curtain raiser, the crowd don't come in. Mm. And I thought it was terrible yeah. to have brilliant players, like loved players, that awfully team. Mm. You know, if you're a fan of hurling, you love that team to be sitting again in a, a half-empty stadium, you know, uh, because the crowd aren't in. And again, I was looking at we had the monitor in front of us, RTE weren't showing it. So I just, and they tried to delay it. In fairness, RTE were, were the live uh, pictures were because it was closer to match kickoff and they were getting into changes. And because pre- the previous year, I think Wexford, again, there was huge uproar over the, I think the Jubilee team, with Wexford and, and Clare again happened um and again, there was such lack of coverage uh, bef- before us. So, so they were trying to kind of bring it late, but it's just it is wrong. Like they need to, they need to fix yeah. the day, final day. Yeah. There should be a buzz around the place from early doors. Um, and again, to give the players of the past need proper recognition, whether that's half time or whatever. Well, they, 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 look, the GA get a lot right, but they, they do get some things wrong. And I think in this instance, I think it 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 doesn't read great, right? And I think you can look at it any way you want, like. I think there's an issue with All Ireland finals weekends, and I think I I would argue, and I know you slightly disagree with this, it needs to go out a little bit and go into August and push into the second and third weeks in August for loads of reasons, promotional reasons, and also, like surely our All Ireland weekends should be like Super Bowl weekends, right? That's what we should try and do. So there was a time where the sevens was a big occasion. Mm. That's kind of kind of happens and you don't even yeah. know what's on. Yeah. Sevens was part of the weekend. Fellas will come up for weekends of All Ireland. I was talking to a fella in the office the other day from Kerry and he's uh, 30 or 40 mates coming up. I said, many of them are coming up saying the night one, I think, is staying the night. They're all coming up the morning, down the, down the morning. It's not the sense of, there should be a festival on in Dublin on, a, on an All Ireland weekend. It should be at a time where you're given a couple of weeks to plan it. There should be music, there should be a, a pre, a match on before, whether it's a camogie match for the hurling or a, an underage game or a developmental, something on to yes. get people in a bit A sense earlier. of Crow Park's alive for the yeah. day. Fan zones, yeah. like yeah. all that stuff should be there and like mm-hmm. part of that should be a celebration of people from 25 years ago. Like if, I, I'd love to have seen that Offaly team and I'd love to see a little mini documentary because they were all Great characters. Right. Um, so I think it's a Galway. Is a Ninety-eight Galway. What a team! There in ninety-eight. Yeah, yeah. What a team! And like you know, that was an um, that was one of the best displays in an All Ireland final ever. I'd love to see a rerun of that game. There should be a dinner and a banquet for them the night before. Get them out in the pitch, you know, and and let people kind of recognise them. Yeah. So I, I I think in this instance, I think maybe this is simply the fact that you know you can put things down to this post-COVID. You know, we haven't really found a rhythm yet and stuff, yeah. and the dates kind of still. I I personally don't like it, and I think yeah. I've even gone to my holidays yet, and the All Ireland finals are over. You yeah, know, same. Yeah. so <laughs> so I I just feel it's 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 a bigger conversation around the final should be a weekend of yes, celebration I, in I, the capital. You you make the point very well. So the weekend feels a bit bare. Yeah. at the moment, and. It, I'd say there'd be a great appetite. Anything you put on, I think people would love to go to. I wonder, is affordability an issue with Kerry Boys 40 of them dodging a Dublin hotel on well, the Saturday no, ab- night? Ab- ab- absolutely. But if, 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 That's even not GA's fault. No, but be an early kid. You know, the fans who are coming up, if you're coming, it actually, the fans want to be in the stadium early. I was down at the Munster Hurling final this year and Ennis Road, three hours before, mm-hmm. they were waiting for the turnstiles to be open, yeah. you know, cause they, and the buzz about the place. And that is jo- a typical Jones Road All-Ireland final day. But that was completely lacking but regardless, last of, week, regardless yeah. of the hotel affordability issue which, which is an issue like there's nothing to say that you wouldn't have uh, something on the Saturday to encourage people to, to, to go to and then also there's something happening around the ground yes. or in the city centre mm-hmm. like not quite a tailgate but like you know why not borrow from other sports and we have a, a, a big fan zone area celebration of hurling and football whatever the, the day is um, and you get people up there at 11-12 o'clock I, I guarantee you if people are travelling up they'll go to it yeah, yeah. 
Now, they mightn't come from Mulligans on Fullback Street <laughs> five minutes oh, before the match anyway. In some ways, the GA were ahead of the curve with the Jubilee team. It was such yeah, a lovely yeah. touch and that yeah. bit of pageantry and it tapped into the, the kind of the scale of the day that in 25 years, whoever wins is going to be back here and, yeah. you know, the significance of it. So to kind of lean away from that is almost counterintuitive at this point. But anyway... Uh, we'll push on. I mentioned the front pages. It's amazing. Like Maybe it's the time difference in Australia or just um, you kind of had assumed that things were progressing between the FAI and Vera Pau. But now all of a sudden it's front page and back page news that actually tomorrow is starting to look like Vera Pau's last game reading between the lines. So front page of the Sunday Times, Pau, I still have the backing of the players Mark Gallagher is a big piece on yeah. the Mail on Sunday. FAI and players avoid the POW question. And David Kelly as well in the Sunday Independent has a big piece. So the short version is Jonathan Hill and the FAI are out there, but they're declining to talk to the media, even though they had said that they would talk to the media in Australia. This was always one of their go-to lines on the back of the athletic piece, which blew up pre-World Cup. And he's, they're not talking to the media and then what seems to have happened over the last 24, 48 hours is that uh, various players have been asked to give their back into POW and have declined the opportunity to do so. Now, they certainly haven't said we want rid of her, but they've said things like Louise Quinn, one of the more experienced players in the team, asked about POW. I haven't thought that much forward. I'm wondering what I'm having for lunch later and I'm wondering what the schedule is for tomorrow. Kira Caruso, honestly, we're still at the World Cup. It's my first World Cup and I think we owe it to ourselves to stay focused on that. Lily Ag, to be honest, I think that's something as players that we can't really think about. And Lucy Quinn, honestly, it's not something I'm thinking about. And uh, I guess it, it chimes with Katie McCabe at that touchy enough press conference before the French game where with Pau sitting beside her, she was asked, would she like to see Pau there for the Nations League game in September? And she said, that's not my job. So again, we could all be overreading into those dispatches, but equally, I think in the main, when players are asked about a current manager, they tend to give a backing would be my sense of football players ad infinitum. They say, yeah, we love the manager. We want the manager to stay. That's certainly what would hap- what happens around Stephen Kenny with the players. Uh, Pau, for her part, has said she feels that she thought things were progressing. She wants the contract sorted, even in a kind of exchange with several journalists. She says, well, what have you heard about the contract is kind of the tone and she is adamant that she's still able to touch the players, to reach the players, is how she put it. And that maybe at six years, there tends to be a bit of a, a fatigue factor between manager and players. But she, you know, that's two years away and she still feels that she's supported by the group and she hopes things are sorted out. So that's kind of the summation across the the three pieces. But it does, Philip, from kind of FAI, Vera's our woman, pre-World Cup, there seems to have been a, a, a genuine cooling is is the read on the journalists out in Australia over the last couple of weeks. Absolutely. And fairness, Mark Galler is out there for us and there's a very comprehensive piece um, about the team and Vera in the future. And it kind of even the headline nearly captures it. So what happens next? Eventful World Cup will be a trigger for change in personnel and approach. There's no, there doesn't seem to be any doubt there. So there is a real sense. And you go, Mark goes through the kind of campaign from the, the negative sideshow before, like there's tactical confusion and kind of gets into a bit of analysis, which, you know, maybe uh, looks at some of the uh, shortcomings, sideline wise, tactical wise, setup wise. Um, again mentioned selection issues and the idea now that Ireland this team needs somebody to take the team to to evolve this, the pattern of play and the style of play and it's very much an open-ended question but it doesn't really give you that sense <laughs> that Vera Powell is going to be the one to do that so yeah it's, it's um, that, isn't, I, that, isn't that a big change with the mood we all thought was there Three weeks ago, two weeks ago, it is, and and I guess you'd trust the the journalists who were on the ground over there probably get a, a much clearer sense than you know your once off match and your very quick grab with the players about what's going on or, or around the camp. So when you're out there, you're probably hearing a lot of stuff that's not even printed. So um, I think the sense uh, we're all getting the sense that change could be happening. Where you know, does, in different does, does that suggest yeah. it's off the field though? Because and I, I don't know, but I'm just um, like a few of the pieces allude to FAI being deeply unhappy that, according to the Athletic, Pow almost initiated that Athletic piece, which brought allegations to the fore again. And the FAI were really unhappy with that because like Paul Rowan says, um, it would be extraordinary if the FAI 
was not to renew the contract of a manager who led Ireland to their first World Cup and remains popular amongst the general public. And you mentioned the RT personality of the year thing last year as well. Yeah. I, I look, like I, the defeat yeah. to Australia wasn't a 6-0 hammering. The no, and look, performance against Canada was okay. Like, had the performance been so bad that the FAI have suddenly thought, well, this isn't No, and anymore. I think, look, and look there's, there's a bit of this is, um, look, sports associations here, including the FAI in the past and including the RFU, have been criticised for renewing contracts under pressure from agents and managers ahead of World Cups, right? So there's an element of, I think, um, wait and see here. And I think the fact that there's a party line amongst players, even Vera Power herself to a point, and the FAI that, look, we'll get to this after the World Cup, is actually causing the speculation even more, right? So she hasn't, in fairness, gone and put a gun to their head and said, here, you got to back me or I'm gone mm-hmm. three weeks out from a World Cup, which would have been a really awkward situation. Um, and I think the FAI have been quite measured um, and they won't get credit for this but you know there will be a review and then after that review I think they, everyone needs to take a step back and we talked about this earlier like you know Vera Powell will go down in history as the person who brought us to a World mm-hmm. Cup and I think she's done a really good job is she the right person to take Ireland into the next generation and, and progress them further I don't know mm. and that's the question they're going to have to ask themselves and you know, none of the players are, are jumping up and down saying, I'm gone if she's not here either. So it's going to be an interesting one when they get back and they get, take the cold light of day, get out of the heat of the World Cup. I actually think it's the, it's a sensible thing to do um, is to yeah. take stock and everyone do a very measured mm. review and say, OK, well, is this the right person to take us forward? My own sense of it is that there's probably a conversation going on around, she got us this far. You know, I actually personally think we've done quite well in the games, yeah. you know, with, yeah. with the hand that she has. Yeah. Like, you know, you need five Katie McCabe's to get out of that group. We we didn't get hammered. We, you know, we, we were hoping for a draw against Australia. Canada was always going to be a stretch. Yeah. The game, I think, that's going to determine, you talked about Desi earlier, and the game is going to determine whether this was a successful World Cup or not, is can we get a result mm. in the last game? If we get a draw or a win in the last game, I think people will reflect and say, that was a pretty good outing. And that changed the, the dynamic of the conversation. But if we lose to a team that's ranked below us, I think that then people t- takes the gloss off it. But I, I have been really surprised at um, the uneducated, I'd almost say, criticism of some of the decisions that have been made. You know, like people are going on about in hindsight, oh, well, she took this girl off, she took that girl off or didn't start her. And like, yeah, well, we're, we're not in, we're not at training. We don't know who's playing well and who's not playing well and who's carrying a niggle and who's not, yeah. and why decisions are made. I actually think she sets the team up very defensively in order to, to, to and try and play in a counter-attack and try and, and try and nick a goal because I think she feels that that's the way we should play with the hand that she has. Yeah. And that's fair enough. Yeah, and, is, yeah. and she's going to see it on a day-to-day yeah, basis. But, but, now, I, I do but, get it that but there's... Just on that, like the start of Mark's piece, yeah. though, doesn't really ref- reflect great, saying that Heather Payne was struggling, the right-back's... Uh, the wing-back's right thigh was heavily strapped, you know... Um, and then all of a sudden, twenty minutes before the game, does it change? You but know, we like but we don't, we, we don't know, right? And fairness to Mark, he's mm, done a really good job mm. in that art. But, but we we don't know. Did did they say we're just going to give you one last chance before the the, the warm? But yeah. If it goes, it goes. Particularly with hamstrings, if if you you do your run before them, before, if you feel it, you're gone. And that Anya was already told the day before. Look, you're probably going to be playing. He it does read like she was only told with five minutes notice. <clears throat> well, who knows? I don't know. I can't imagine that happening in Croker today. You know, like, uh, one well, of the last. To be you know, fair, um, in, but in but fairness, like. Yeah. Keen Lynch hobbled into how many All Ireland finals yeah. under the greatest manager we've ever seen, maybe. And we, yeah. you know, his easily hamstring went after 15 minutes one game. You don't hold that out against Jim Gavin. I, I know, I think that that point is harsh. The general style of play, Louise Quinn up top as your as your kind of last 10, 15 minutes, mm-hmm. hope and a prayer centre forward. To be fair to Pau, she is entitled to think, well, we're not good enough in possession to work through the lines methodically and we're setting up defensively, we're staying in games and us nicking a goal from a set piece, I feel that's the best way to win with this group. And as Stephen Kenny has found out, she may well be right about that, you know? Like, we may be of a certain level. We do need more Denise O'Sullivan's, Katie McCabe's, and, and uh, Sinead Farrelly's. But the, the point in here is exactly like the men's team has been over the last 20 years is they raise their game to play against better teams and mm. struggle to break down yeah. weaker opposition. Yeah. That's exactly the same as, 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 as it's an age-old Ireland problem. I, I, I personally think this team is the pioneers, right? And and they have inspired a generation. And I think the fact that they've performed respectfully and, and have done quite well, in fact, I think, will inspire the next generation. If you look at the rankings of the Irish women's international teams, under 19, under 17, under 15, we tend to be, you know, top 16, top yeah. 10, top whatever. I, there's a generation coming that's better than this generation. And and I suppose the question is, is 
who is the right there's a big conversation we do, you need a player pathway that has loads more girls playing you need a better domestic league we need five or six girls playing for Chelsea or Arsenal if we're going to get to the next level is, is there we're a sense, tier three nation is, and we need to get to be a tier two nation is, there, is, is she the white woman that's the question they have to ask themselves but, but again given I would have thought your powers helped make the Ireland team a much more attractive proposition but is that kind of maybe working against her in a way that maybe if we are looking that now this team um, is well branded well supported yeah. And that now the cast of candidates maybe uh, would yeah. be very different than than if you roll back a couple of years That's ago. That's a fair so. point. How significant do you find the players kicking to touch? All of them. <laughs> not, not insignificant yeah. but, but may, maybe maybe it's a drill you know like maybe that's the party line and it's been spelled out but like you say uh, players generally you know you, again you mentioned Stephen Kenny what happens there players if they they tend to when they want to speak their mind as well so but look maybe they've had the conversation previously that this is going to come up and you know so but yeah, it's, you it's, it, 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 it is interesting mm. and it'll be more interesting when the review is done because you know, to be fair to the FAI, like they are going to go through a rigorous process, I'd imagine, afterwards, and all the players will be interviewed. And is it better that they air their if they've grievances yeah. or yeah. if they've got things yeah. they want to say in private and not? But oh, all, all this, yeah. all this is done is because nobody is talk is is confirming or denying the contractual situation. The FAI have kicked it to post tournament. They obviously the players have been told kick everything to post tournament as well, mm. um, and people sit down in a measured way and. It's it's a big call, um, and but it is about the future and who's the who's the person to take the next generation forward. Because yeah. there is a huge like women's soccer is. It reminds me of women's Gaelic twenty years ago. It's like a absolute about to burst, you know. And it's brilliant, yeah. um, and it's great to see. Yeah, I would think come September at Eva Stadium they'll be getting great crowds. I hope as well, so. You know, I hope be so. big events. A um, couple of other quick pieces before we sure. finish up. So um, on. Um, All-Ireland winners, I guess a slight problem with the calendar is you go from one All-Ireland final into the next and there's almost not not, not much time for a kind of a recap. So Michael Dignan and Mick Foley writing about Limerick, for instance, and it almost feels um, just slightly dated because the football final is today. You know, it feels like it feels like this was last month, which is the way your brain tends to work. So he's just as in awe as everybody, he says... 2020 decided they put 30 points in Waterford. 2021 obliterated all manner of scoring records by hammering Cork and they racked up 332, 318 of that in the first half. 318 in the first half, I'd forgotten that. Now, 2022 broke the 30-point mark by scoring 131 to beat Kilkenny. First three in a row. 30-point mark again in Sunday's four in a row against Kilkenny. Truly remarkable, especially with just five points to their name after 30 minutes. So he's completely blown away and Mick Foley... I think rightly makes the point in the Sunday Times that usually when you do the four in a row, none of us remember Cork in the 40s, obviously, or Kilkenny latterly. It kind of feels like, wow, like that, that is just such an achievement. Whereas in this Limerick team's case, it feels like almost a placeholder or like a midpoint of a journey is the extraordinary thing. And um, he wonders the greatest ever. And he says, of the five teams in hurling and football that earned a shot at five in a row before Limerick, only three made the All-Ireland final. Uh, two of them, the Kerry footballers against Offaly and Kilkenny against Tipperary, they were eventually broken by the accumulated strain of the year itself and teams groomed specifically to beat them over a number of years. Um, and he reckons that, frankly, that's not the case here with Limerick. As Kilkenny set out for the five in a row in 2010, Tip had created doubt. Has any team created serious doubt over Limerick's prospects this time? But how fickle we all are, right? You know, <laughs> I know. Two months ago, everyone said they were back in the pack. They, they were, were one point away from going out. They were there for the take. They were there for the take and they were creaking at the seams and they couldn't play without Declan Hannan and they couldn't do this and they couldn't do that. <laughs> Does it feel now Munster's their biggest obstacle? 100%. But I, I, I think the analysis has sprung from they were just so awesome in the second half. And then it automatically turns to 5 no. Now, There was a lot of chatter about 5 no. Kilkenny like, did four back in the day, if you remember. Um, but we I, knew we were headed for a tip final and it was going to be an epic. Yeah, but I... Tip were there. Look Who, at, who's look, there for Limerick? Look at Munster next year, right? Yeah. The, two, two defeats and you're on the... the you know, hanging on, hanging on by your fingernails, yeah. right? Could Clare beat them next year? You, yes. you could see it happening. Could Cork beat them next year? Yeah. You could see that. M- my tip 
surprised them. You could see that. So, you know, there's you could be in a situation where they could be hanging on to get out of Munster. Um, who, who are your favourites for the All-Ireland next year? Well, uh, right now, it's, 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 you can't. But, uh, but I, I, I take I, your point. I don't subscribe yeah. to the theory that um, that they're they're now going into this new stratosphere. I thought they were amazing on the day. I do think um, teams will improve. I do think teams will 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 start catching up. Yeah, I just uh, yeah, I, uh, I I don't know. I, I don't know. It's, it's not written like in the, the stars. They're going to do yeah. five in a row. It's it's not, but um, uh, the idea of teams catching up. We had the very same conversation at the final whistle, Joan Croker last week, kind of saying, "Munster, you know, Munster need to take them out of the equation because if they get through, um, they they have the time to to recalibrate and get better again." Because what they achieved this year, if you think, um, without Declan Hannan captain and Sean Finn, the best man marker, like he would have been probably marking Owen Cody, who was sensational in the mm. first half. Um, Declan Hannan is is like their equivalent of a. Uh, fall six you know like he just plays and drifts and drops and links to all plays so to take those out of the equation and, and casually win as they won without Keen Lynch a two time hurler the year yeah. previously like they've actually had all the blows like um, imagine what it would be like if they actually have an All-Ireland where yeah. they have a full strength team and it's just the age profile the, the age like, pro- and, and is, is the, the kind of r- the real thing and, and, and also at miles on the clock like they've been playing at that level for so long like at this point would you back against them no and you know when the going got tough they just stepped up to a whole different level in saying that they, they could have come third in Munster right and have to go the hard way they went the direct route which yeah. kind of suits teams that are, yeah. are are on the road a long time um, I think teams are are catching up um, I just think they were so awesome in the final that it's probably coloured our, yes, our view of, 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 of yeah well sure having that debate was going on immediately I, are they the greatest and Kilkenny won six and seven years so yeah. can they're a team best, that has, best but, the best team I've seen I put it this way I, I agree with everything you said Mick I think you're spot on I think though if Limerick get back into an Ireland final I wouldn't with my life think of it like no like they're going to win by 10 do you yeah, know what I mean yeah. once they're in a final they seem to just rise to the yeah. occasion like nobody's business but it's a long road to a but final I don't know if I've ever seen a team because you can compare great teams but when Kilkenny team were winning they yeah. kind of they won nearly every which way but they were the kind of dominant team but Limerick to kind of be able to transform mid-match I've ne- rarely seen a team be absolutely battered um, they were 10 down in the Munster final a few years ago I remember being down there against Tiberi Tiberi uh, played them off the pitch so 10 down on a soaring hot day came out and it was over within about 14 but minutes and they did it yeah. 25 minutes into both mm-hmm. like they're down by 6 points to uh. Galway so to be able to be playing badly and kind of recalibrate even without a half time break and find your way like and then suddenly hit a level that's 3 gears above what they've been shown for half an hour like that's very rare they of often, a team to they, yeah, it's often said it's hard to switch it on mid-game if you don't start right. It's yeah. one of the great cliches. Limerick have been, I was reading the stat, uh, bar their first game against Clare, they've been behind at halftime in every single game of this championship. That's incredible. Isn't it just? So it is incredible. But it was, at the game itself, um, there was very strong wind, which actually I don't think people factored in mm. watching on the telly. And yeah. when they did get it, I, I, but I've never seen a team at that level Steamroll a team, even the, the Dublin, the, the Dublin, the Dublin footballers. Yeah. They just, they're shoot, but even just, they just, it was like this tsunami of yeah. just aggression and brilliance. They just kind of swept over Kilkenny, and they were like, they just couldn't cope. They were just Kilkenny, long, and, and Kilkenny, two teams yeah. at an elite level, and one just absolutely. Yeah. And Kilkenny are the hardest yeah. physically and mentally you would yeah. have thought yeah, to, hard bre- to break. They, yeah. they don't, you know, they don't, they don't snap. They don't, you know, and either, they were, they you know. were buried. Yeah, <laughs> 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 no, so it's not like a, you're going up against a team that's, you know, a little bit shaky. On the yeah. Yeah, the confidence like Waterford in 08 God, yeah. it's our first time they get here. startled yeah. by the lights and yeah. but, but Peter, Ca- Peter Casey like the shooting Dermot Burns again from the Hogan stand side were looking down level several at him and the, the arc of the ball from 100 metres yeah. he's pinging shot but Peter Casey hit one and there was a brilliant photograph taken of him off balance I think nearly one foot standing almost on the Crow Park side around the halfway and the caption was this ball goes over the bar <laughs> you know it was just incredible and again the, the, the wind in Croker doesn't blow in a straight direction because yeah. of the horseshoe effect it swirls yeah. it was a wet day so the display of shooting and accuracy again the only thing that I've seen compares is Kilkenny's in that final sort of weight against Waterford mm-hmm. you know where the first wide I think they were slagging Martin Comfort for hitting the first wide of the game in midway through the second half wasn't it <laughs> <laughs> so it was <laughs> a different standard yeah. we are pretty much out of time we picked out a few pieces on um, what's going on in Saudi Arabia and the world of football but we don't quite have time to get into them there's a great piece Rob Draper uh, in the mail is writing about 
Middle East and uh, Jonathan Wilson cashes King and if you see it on page 14 of the Sunday Times it's worth looking into it's about the most influential agent in Mbappe's team his mum oh it's very uh, good yeah. it's really good I hadn't realised that she was there pulling the, the Saudi article is quite good I, I, we did find um, we did have a little chuckle outside with Pep Guardiola giving out about the, the new money coming into football from Saudi Arabia <laughs> <laughs> the irony <It's> like, <laughs> oh, it was quite yeah. something Pep, he said it with a straight face Pep apparently <laughs> Millions destroying the game. <laughs> the new money destroying the game, yeah. Uh, by the go. way, the business post, I, I think, um, I guess, I must uh, start pointing them more in the direction of the business post, yeah. which is doing sport now on a routine basis. But they had a, a buy the numbers on All-Ireland Final weekend. So the value of the All-Ireland Final to the hospitality sector is €10 million Euro for today. Um, and Dublin fans being the decider means that fewer fans are leaving the capital so pubs and restaurants have a great day so 10 million quid pumped into the economy the gate is 7 million uh, which is serious going but it, but it could be so much more if we had that weekend right yeah, you know that's the you could double but, those numbers but this yeah. post has been really good and uh, Emmett, Emmett does a bit and uh, there's a couple of others right yeah. in the business post um, I think it's interesting that nobody has mentioned the fact that there's a very strong likelihood that that this five FAs bid for Euro 28 as well. Um, you see Turkey yeah. look like they might be going in with Italy. That's still TBC around whether how that plays out. But that's going to be very interesting how that plays out over the next couple of months. And fantastic news for the football associations and I think for, for football. Um, I am promised a point if I mention um, there's a couple of very good quotes from Kelly O'Keefe there in the business post. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Just one point. <laughs> Shame. This, this is, I mean, this is how you become a, manu- a mover and a shaker in the world, you know. Uh, and what are they about? About GA go. <clears throat> oh yeah, in favour or not in favour? In favour, yeah. In oh, favour. Okay, oh. very good. We'll do a separate segment on that, but yeah, fair play. I'd be fully behind that. Just a couple of other <laughs> quick things. Um, Roy Curtis has a lovely personal piece about kind of Kerry Dublin rivalry and the kind of personal relationships. And there's a nice piece with John Keane and the hurling ref uh, Dermot oh, Crow. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it's a nice personal piece about um, his journey, t- and obviously he has to kind of head off into the sunset now or hang up the whistle after referee in the All Ireland final. So they're worth checking out as well. Okay. Fair very good fellas thanks so much I think you're both shooting to Crow Park are you? Yes. I'm going home to pack, pack the car up and then going to Crow Park Excellent well listen enjoy it should be an epic <laughs> Mick O'Keefe here in studio and Philip Lanigan as well thank you fellas appreciate it